Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. Well, and a very uh, warm welcome to you on this uh, second Sunday of Advent. Um, As we uh, lit earlier, the pink candle, it's very exciting, also known as Gaudet Sunday or the Sunday of Rejoicing. However, in recent years, um, in the Episcopal Church, uh, because of the placement of this collect, it's also become known as a Stir Up Sunday. And um, as a result of that opening collect, which begins, Stir up, we beseech thee, O Lord, your power and the wills of your faithful people. Uh, This is a very important collect um, that we've just prayed today because um, the collect is specifically prayed in the bleak and the dark parts of winter. Uh, We've come to some bleak and dark moments of our lives probably in the year. And for a lot of people, maybe even you here in this congregation, you're tired, uh, you're overbooked, you're over budget, you're overspent, and you need something outside of you to stir you up. And it's most certainly not me telling you to stir it up a little more, you know, because quite frankly, no matter how hard we try, how much coffee we drink, We're just at the end of our rope on some level, and so we just can't do it. And so we beseech thee, O Lord, to come among us and stir up thy power. We beseech thee, O Lord, as the Apostle James writes, that we might endure and take the prophets as our example. This is the theme of our readings in in, in, uh, all three readings, and uh, both the Old Testament and the Gospel are very powerful. But I want to talk specifically about our Gospel reading today because it is intended to stir up yourselves in this moment. You know, last week we heard John preaching on the banks of the Jordan River and calling people to repentance, calling Israel back to its wilderness roots there, and people from all sorts and all walks of life were coming to join him in this, this act of repentance. However, a lot has happened between that moment and our moment now in the Gospel of St. Matthew that we've just read. Right now, John is not on the banks of the Jordan River. He is rotting in a dungeon by order of King Herod. Well, you think, I've read a couple of articles that talk about the Netflix uh, show The Crown and how it's revealed a lot of the scandals of the um, House of Windsor. Let me tell you, um, the uh, Hazumayan royal family of the Second Temple period in Judah, King Herod's family, they made the Windsors look like uh, teetotalers. And um, what got John arrested was is that he was criticized, King Herod, for because King Herod had taken um, his brother Philip's wife into his house. And uh, let me tell you, he wasn't, um, he wasn't putting her up just till she could get back on her feet, let's just say. And uh, I mean, he literally, uh, there was an affair going on and it was awful and it was very scandalous and John called it out. And so, uh, and that's just a fun fact for you. But anyway, um, John, um, John is in jail and uh, he's rotting in prison. And guess what? There are no disciples coming to save John. There's no army from heaven coming to save John. And Jesus just goes about preaching the kingdom. I mean, think about it. You have John, the prophet, the baptizer. You have John, the one who bears the mantle of Isaiah, or of Elijah, and he's not going to be rescued. 
And so, of course, the question comes forward, are you the one or should we expect another? Have you ever noticed when things get difficult, when things don't go our way, or things continue to be a real struggle for a friend or a family member? Have you ever noticed when you're brought to those situations where you teeter between faith and unbelief, that that's when the question comes? Are you the one, or do we look for another? And this is my first point. This gospel is real, and it hits in the bleak midwinter. The way of Jesus is not always victorious. The way of the kingdom of God is hard, and it can oftentimes take the shape of a trampled seed. It can take the shape of cross and suffering. It can take the shape of weakness instead of strength. John's going to lose his head, for sure. And in just a couple of chapters, Jesus is going to be abandoned, and he is going to be crucified. And Jesus says to John, Blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. And he says that because it's profoundly, profoundly offensive when you're not rescued. It's not how any of us would have it. I want the ladder that I can climb out of this situation. I want the ability to take control. The way of the cross is most certainly none of our plans. Our plans are the way of power and whatever we can do to cling to it. Look at the politicians in our country and how they handle each other. Look at how businesses handle each other. Look at how we handle each other in family situations, galvanizing and weaponizing ourselves and institutions to bring other people to bend to our will. If only we could just get everyone to do it our way, if only we could just get people to do it my way, then maybe things would be all right. A lot of people assume, because I'm an Episcopal clergyman, that I watch Downton Abbey. Uh, You know, praise God if you do. I don't. Um, The English, I'm going to let you in on a secret. The English drama that I watch uh, is called The Peaky Blinders. And it is about uh, gypsy gangsters in Birmingham, between Birmingham, England, between World War I and World War II. And uh, I do not recommend the show, but if you ever do watch it, it is great. And um, uh, the latest season, um, season six, has the main character, the leader of the gang, Tommy Shelby. And Tommy Shelby has been elected an MP from Birmingham. And as he's been elected, the New York stock market crashes in the 20s and he loses tons of money. And all of his political rivals and all of the underworld rivals are beginning to come up and crush him. And like today, it's hard to tell the difference. And, um, and uh, I'm glad a few of you laughed. So anyway, but, uh, but, uh, and, uh, and he's also seen visions of the wife that he loved and that he's lost. So he's under tremendous stress. And normally in every season when he's under a lot of stress, he'll take a cigarette and roll it between his lips, take a puff, have a drink, and then he's got a plan. And this time he rolls the cigarette between his lips, he lights it, and he flings it on the ground and he yells, why doesn't anyone listen to me? It was a profound scene that really connected because that's how we all feel sometimes when we're on the edge between faith and unbelief. 
when doubt and despair become absolutely overwhelming and our prayers seem to fail and our worship just seems to kind of go through the rote motion. And you'll oftentimes hear people come with this pithy response that God will never give you anything you can't handle, which is such nonsense. Such nonsense. Or this isn't how God would want it. It's not his fault. Nonsense. Oftentimes, God will place things in our lives that we cannot handle. And when we can finally confess it, we're actually close to being real theologians. But he'll place things in our lives that we cannot handle to bring us to a place where we begin to realize who we actually are. And then who he actually is. That we are the creatures and that he is the creator. And as he promised to the prophet Isaiah, he will be the one to come and save you. And this is my second point. It is in those moments that God is often acutely at work in your life. In those dungeons, in those holes, not even of your own making in order to bring you to a place where maybe we'll just stop listening to ourselves and finally listen to him and hear him as the God who steadies the nervous hand, who brings peace to the anxious heart, and who has come in his Son to save us all. And Jesus God has given us means by which to listen to him in those moments. And in listening to him, believing in him as we go through those dark times. For John and his disciples, he gave them the messianic signs of the kingdom as prophesied in Isaiah. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor are given good news. Notice the one thing he doesn't say from the prophet Isaiah, and that is that the prisoners are going to go free. However, in the midst of our struggle, believe me, sisters and brothers, we have been given a greater sign. We've been given greater signs. As you go through the dark periods of your life, you have been given the sign of the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ for you. You have been given a word in baptism where water was poured over your head and you were given the kingdom and you were sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism and marked as Christ's own forever. You have his gospel in words and we summarize it every Sunday in those comfortable words where we assure you of how and why your sins are forgiven. And in a moment you will receive the great sign, the bread that is his body broken for you, and the wine that is his blood shed for you, that assures you that while you may not be listening to God, God never gives up on you and is always speaking. Always speaking a word of forgiveness. Always speaking a word of mercy. To give you joy. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. And like Jesus says to John, blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. Because as foolish as it is, in those hidden things, 
are the power of God unto salvation. And this is my third point. You may feel tired. You may feel weak. You may feel like you're being pressed between powers and principalities. But what Advent is all about reminds us that the strength of Christ is hidden in weakness. The power of God for salvation is hidden in the weakness of the gospel that the world does not wish to hear. And the joy of the kingdom is oftentimes hidden in the sorrows of life. Yet he always meets us in ways that he's appointed. The signs that he's been given. Water, word, bread, and wine. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at this. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. Produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.